Okay, Tov. We are now on Daf Chav Gimel Amr Aleph, and all of today's session will be devoted to Agadot and various stories of Tanaim and Amoraim, and often how they responded to um, issues of rain, and from there, other stories. And the first set of stories we have is uh, uh, relate to Choniha Me'agel, uh, building off of the story that we had in the Mishnah, the famous story about Choni making the circle, there's an expansion of that story and then several other stories about him. So most of the month of Adar had already passed, there had not yet been any rain. The presumption is, of course, they had already gone through all of the fasts. Now they, now they were at the point where Yechidim were fasting again. And they sent a the message to Choni. He palel v'yarduk shamim. Pray that rain should come. He palel v'lo yarduk shamim. He prayed, and it didn't rain. Agu gavi amad betochaz. This is the same story as the Mishnah. You drew a circle and stood in the middle. Kederach shasach havaku kanavi. This is information we do not get in the Mishnah, but it, it's based on a pasuk in Chavakuk, pasuk number one on the page. Al mishmarti amoda v'yatzva al matzor. Matzapeli wrote ma'i deverbi umai yashiv al tochachti. In effect, Chavakuk, waiting for prophecy, says, I'm going to stand here and I'm not going to move until I get the prophecy. Essentially manipulating or making demands of God. Um, and the Pasuk is quoted, Your children have placed their eyes, have cast their eyes towards me. I'm like a member of your family. I swear by your name that I will not move until you have compassion for your children. And this again is like the Mishnah. It started drizzling. So the student said, it seems as if we're, what we're seeing is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, as we would say, in other words, he's having making it rain a little bit in order to absolve you of the oath and allow you to move, but not really solving the problem. And then, as we find in the Mishnah, he said, this is not what I was asking for. I was asking for rain that will replenish the cisterns. So the torrents came down. In hyperbolic fashion, they describe every raindrop as being the size of the opening of a barrel. And the Chachamim measured that each raindrop was a lobe's worth, uh, several ounces worth of water. Uh, now it seems that the rain is coming to destroy the world. system is an expansion of the Mishnah. Again, we heard this, that he said to God, this is not what I was looking for, but rather... P, uh, blessing rains and rains that are going to grace us. It's not raining appropriately. So as we saw in the Mishnah, everybody went up to Harbite because it was raining. They were taking shelter. They also were seeking higher ground. And this touches on a point that we saw earlier. They asked him to pray that the rain should stop. And he said, as we saw earlier, we do not pray to stop a blessing. But he said, nonetheless, bring me a korban, bring me a par, have a bowl. So he did smicha, he put his hands on the animal, and he said, 
Love Pranut. Almost apologetically, he said, God, your people that you took out of Mitzrayim cannot take too much good and not too much punishment. When you get angry at them, they cannot stand. And when you give them too much good, they can't stand it. So please stop the rain and let things be the way they should be. Immediately the wind blew, the clouds scattered, the sun shone, and immediately they were able to bring in mushrooms that had grown up from this rain. So now Shimon Shetach sent the message, If you were not Choni, for your behavior, I would have thrown you in, in I would have excommunicated you. Even if we had years like the famine of Eliyahu, the three years, take a look at Malachim Aleph, Perak Zayin, and he had the keys to reign. So isn't Hashem's name being disgraced by your name? Because after all, you, uh, had you been around in Eliyahu's time, you would have caused God's name to be disgraced by forcing him to make it rain. And here you're manipulating him. You act badly in front of God. He does what you want anyways. Like a son who behaves that way with his father. Father, take me, the demands. Take me to the bathhouse. Wash me off with cold water. Give me nuts. Nuts and fruits. And the father gives it. We saw this also in the Mishnah. Regarding you, the verse says that your parents are very proud of you and happy of you. Meaning that uh, they spoil you, essentially. So you have another Brita that the members of the Sanhedrin sent the following message to Choni after he was successful in making it rain. They quoted the Pasuk in, in uh, Eo over three Pasukim in a row. In Eo, which is Sukim number three on the page, Betigzo Omer Omer Vayakomlach Vayakomlach Vialdvachecha Naga Or. So Betigzo Omer, you make a a decree. Atagazartim Milamata Kodesh Baruch Hu Mekayim Amarcham Milamala. You decree below, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu fulfills it from above. Vialdvachecha Naga Or, and on your way there is light. Dor Shaya Afel Hayarta Bitfilatacha. Mean a generation that was in the dark, you lit up through your tefila. Kishpilu Atomer Geva. They were below, and you said, stand up. A generation that was low, you brought up with your tefillah. Meaning, a generation that had bent down because of its sin. You saved them through your tefillah. The end, the next pasuk is, uh, one who was not clean is saved. You saved them, they escaped even though they were not themselves clean, not before kapecha, and they're saved in your hands, you, you accomplish them through your actions, which were very, very clear. So the, the Chachamim are giving tremendous uh, credit, of course, here to Choni. Another story about Choni. Choni was always bothered by the Pasuk in Tzilim Kufchavav. We were his dreamers. So the way he read it was that when we returned to Zion after the 70 years of no Beit HaMikdash, it's like it was all a dream. He said, how can you compare that? How can you 
describes 70 years as being a dream. Nobody sleeps for 70 years. And here we hear a story akin to Rip Van Winkle. So one day he was walking on the road. He was still bothered by this pasuk. He saw a man planting a carob tree. So he said, to so asked the man, how long does it take till this tree will bear fruit? Seventy years. And you're so sure you're going to live 70 years that you're going to benefit? This world I found a world filled with Haruvim. In other words, he's saying other people planted Haruvim that I benefited from and now I'm planting Haruvim for others. Right? Just like my ancestors planted for me, I'm going to plant it for my children. In other words, I will not see the fruit, but my children will. A beautiful, beautiful sentiment. So Rabbi Yechonim Agel sat down and uh, ate some bread. And he fell asleep. He was asleep. He was asleep. He slept and he ended up falling asleep for for seventy years. Um, the uh, the uh, the rock covered him up and he couldn't. He was covered and shaded, and he fell asleep and he slept for seventy years and nobody saw him in the meantime. Kikam uh, when he got up, we saw somebody. Harvesting from that same tree that he had just seen planted. Amarle Atu Deshalta, you're the guy who planted it? Amarle Barbreana, I'm his grandson. Amarle Shmaminad, then I'm Shivin So I see that it is possible to sleep 70 years, and now I understand the Pasuk in, about Shramalot, about Hainuke uh, Chomim. Chazal Chamre Dit Yaldale Ramachi Ramachi. So there, then he saw, what, uh, what was the next thing that he saw? Um, he saw that his donkey had already had flocks of donkeys. The donkey that he'd been riding now had flocks of donkeys around. So he came to his own house and he said, his chonis son around. His son is not here, his grandson is here. So he introduced himself and says, I'm choni. They of course didn't believe him. He went to the Beit Midrash and he heard the rabbi's teaching. He said, our words are as clear as the days of Choni. Because in those days, any question they had, he would answer. So today we have a good day, like a Choni day. So he said, I am Choni. They didn't believe him. And they didn't treat him like he should have been treated. He felt terrible. He asked God to take his life, much as Yonah did, and Eliyahu did, and God did. He died. And that is the source, or at least associates with the famous aphorism, if either give me friendship or give me death. And here he was all alone in this world, and so he preferred to die. And now we hear a story about his grandson. Perhaps it was the same grandson that he was told was around, perhaps a different one. We'll see two different grandsons in this next narrative. He was his his uh, son's son. Whenever they needed rain, the rabbis would send a message to Abba and say, please pray for us. 
Right to it would work, it would rain. One time the world needed rain, meaning it hadn't rained. So they sent two rabbis, two students to him. To pray that it should rain. They came to his house, they didn't find it. They went to, out to the field, and they saw that he was hoeing the field. They said shalom to him. He didn't respond, he didn't look at them. Befania in the afternoon, Kihavi Menakeit Sevi, when he was uh, t- picking up uh, wood, Darat Sevi Umara Bachad Katfa, he picked up the hoe and the wood uh, on one shoulder, Vuglima Bachad Katfa, and he put his his um, clothes or his um, his scarf, as it were, on another, which is a very strange way to go, with a very heavy load on one shoulder and a very light load of just a garment on the other shoulder. All of these things will become clarified later on uh, when when uh, they they finally talk to him. Kula misane, and the whole way home he didn't wear shoes. He came to some sort of water, or a lake, or a river, or a channel. He put on his shoes. And when he came to an area with thorn bushes, he lifted his clothes up and he walked on the thorns. When he came to the town, his wife came out to greet him. She was dressed up very nicely, bedecked in jewels. When they went into the house, the wife went in first. Then he went in. Then these two rabbis went in. They sat down and broke bread. He didn't invite them, and in saving them, please join us. Paul Griftel the Yanuka, he split his bread to give it to the children. The Kashishachara, to the older child, he gave one piece of bread. Well, the Zutra tray, he gave the younger one too. All of these things are bizarre. Amarla Lenavitu, then he told his wife, I know these two rabbis are here for me to ask for rain. Let's go up on the roof and we'll pray. Perhaps Hashem will favor us and make it rain. And we won't look so good. He, he didn't want to take credit. We'll see how he plays it out. So he and his wife went up to the roof. He stood on one corner. She in the other corner. And the cloud started coming from her side. Meaning it was her tefillah that worked. When he finally came down and it was raining, he said to them, Why are you here? It was the first time he talked to them. The rabbi sent us to ask you to pray for rain. You didn't need me. You see, it's already raining. In other words, he didn't tell them that he had been the instrument. They said, ah, we know better. We know that the rain's coming because of you. But please explain these confusing things to us. So why, when we greeted you, you didn't even look at us? The answer is, I was working as a day worker. I didn't want to waste even a moment of time greeting you. So why did you put all the wood and the tools on one shoulder and your garment on another? That was a borrowed garment. I never borrowed it to be something to support wood. So it would be inappropriate for me to be using somebody else's garment as that. 
So how come you didn't wear your shoes until you got to the water and then you put them on? The whole way I can see, so I can avoid obstacles. But I can't see obstacles in the water, and therefore I had to put my shoes on so I wouldn't get hurt. So why, when you came to the thorn area, you lifted up your clothes? If I scratch myself, my body will heal, but if I tear the clothes, I can't fix them. So my time without actually having to, to mend them. So why did your wife come out dressed in jewels when you were there? She does it so that I will not think about another woman or see another woman be attracted to her. She comes out, she's always attractive to me. How come you went in, that she went in first, then you, and then us? I don't know you guys. I didn't check you out. And I don't want to think it's appropriate for you to be alone with her. So I went in, in the middle. So how come when you sat down to eat, you didn't invite us to join you? The answer was, I didn't have enough food. I don't want to make you think that I'm a nice guy for nothing. Meaning that I'll invite you to eat and then turn around, there won't be enough food. And you'll at least think that I'm a nice man to invite you. I don't want to give that wrong impression. That would be what we call Genevat Dat. So why did you give your older son one piece of bread and your younger son two? The older one is in the house. I mean, he's hungry. He could take something to eat. The other one sits in uh, the big Knesset all day learning, and so therefore he doesn't get otherwise uh, food. Now what's probably the big question is, so how come the clouds appeared on the side where your wife was? Meaning, why was it her schut? Why did they come before your clouds? Because she is always in the house. So when poor people come, she gives them bread. Therefore, she has direct contact with them and direct benefit. Me, I give a coin. They have to go take the coin and buy it. On the other hand, when she gives them bread, they can eat it right away. Another explanation is, We had some tough guys in our neighborhood. I daven that they should die. She daven that they should do tshuva. And they did tshuva. So you see that she is more righteous than I, either because of her involvement with stuck or her attitude towards sinners. And therefore, the clouds came on her account. We hear now a story about, we hear a story now about another grandson of, of Choni. His name was Hanan Hanechba, but he was Bar Barte. He was Choni's daughter's son. He was called Choni Hanechba, Hanan Hanechba, So in his case, the, the Rabbonin would send a child to his house to ask him to ask for rain. The, would grab, the kid would grab onto Hanan's clothes. And they would say, yeah, with several kids, children, and say, Abba, Abba, Havalan Mitra. Abba, Abba, give us rain. And Amar Lefina Gonesh Baruch Hu, so he would turn to Hashem and say, Rana Sholam, Asei Bishvil Eilu, Shein Makarin Ben Abba, the Yayv Mitra, the Abba, the Yayv Mitra. Hashem, please act on behalf of these kids who can't even tell the difference between the Abba who gives them rain and the Abba who doesn't give them rain. Meaning, you're the real Abba. My Karli Hanan Nechbad, Rashayah Machbi Atzmo. He used to hide himself. Because he didn't really want to take the credit for all of this, and he didn't want them coming after him. 
In one of the girsas, Machpiyat uh, Svobet HaKisei, it's a very difficult girsa, um, but um, according to the Gaonim, indeed, he would hide himself in the Beit HaKisei, where they wouldn't find him in the privy, when uh, they would come and ask him to pray for rain. Now we have a comparison between the behavior of the Babylonians and the and the Palestinians, as it were, the Eretz Yisrael diggers. Amar the Rabbi Zrika, the Rabbi Safra. Tochazima ben Tkifei Dari Yisrael, the Chatzidah de Babel. Look and see how the tough guys in Eretz Yisrael, meaning the not-so-sensitive ones, are so much greater than even the Chassidim of Babel. Chassidim Babel, who's that? Rav Huna Rav Chista, second generation of Moraim. When it needed rain, they said, "Nichniv hadadi, let's get together. Nibi Rachmi will pray. Maybe we can get Hashem to favor us and make it rain." In other words, they make a public gathering. Takifid Ari Yisrael. This picks up on the theme of Chanan and Echba. Takifid Ari Yisrael, the strong people in Eretz Yisrael, known Rabbi Yona Avua the Rabbi Mani. He is introduced as the father of Rabbi Mani because we'll hear about Rabbi Mani later. When they need a rain, he'd go into his house. He'd say to his family members, Give me my sack. And I'll go buy some grain for money. When he would go outside, he'd go into a deep place. Famously, Pasuk number five, I call out to you from the depths. He would go into a deep place, like a valley. And he'd go stand in a private place where nobody could see him. He would cover himself up with the sackcloth. He'd pray. In other words, he didn't want anyone to know that he was the one bringing the rain. When he came home, they would say to him, Did you buy some wheat? I decided not to because I said, Now that it's raining, let's wait a little bit. The price of wheat will go down and we'll buy it tomorrow. In other words, he never intended to buy the wheat. He used it as a cover to leave the house. And take that same sack that he had the money in, cover himself with it, symbolically, in order to pray in the model of a fast. And then after it was raining, he would come back and say, I didn't buy the wheat, because now that it's raining, if the price will go down tomorrow, we'll buy it then. So you see that in Eretz Yisrael, at least in that generation, they were far more circumspect about not being found out that they were doing these great uh, pious things. Whereas in Bavel, even the great people had public gatherings. For two, Rabbi Mani Bray. So now the story about Rabbi Mani, Rabbi Yonah's son, in Eretz Yisrael. He used to have trouble with the Benesia, which was sort of the remnant of the uh, of the head of the Sanhedrin. So his father had died since. So he went to his father's grave and he bowed and he laid on the grave, prostrated himself. He said, Father, they're making giving me trouble. And one time the Benesia were traveling exactly at that place, and their horse's legs got caught. And they understood evidently what had happened, and they said, okay, we will not trouble you again, and then the horse's legs were released. Now we're going to hear about a particular Amora in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Yashiv. Imani was in front of him. The rich people who are part of my in-laws' house and in-laws' family are bothering me. They keep making fun of me that they're rich. So Rabbi Yitzchak said, I'm going to make them poor. And he prayed and they became poor. Then he came back and he said, now they're giving me trouble because they need me to help uh, help them pay their bills. So he said, okay, I'll make them rich. 
Then he came to Rabbi Yitzchok when he asked him, he said, I'm not so happy with my wife, she's not very attractive. So Rabbi Yitzchok said, what's her name? So he said, Chana. So he said, Titiapi Chana. He said, Chana should be beautiful. And she became beautiful. Now she's lording it over me, the fact that she's so attractive, and I'm not. So she should go back to where she was. She went back to her previous uh, unattractive state. Uh, this is, uh, in a sense, almost a version of the monkey's paw. Now we have two students who came to the same of Yitzchak ben Yashiv. Please pray for us that we should be very wise. I used to have that one and I sent it away. There's two ways to read that. One is that this is later on in his career, and he said, all that of the ability that I had to change people's lives through tefillah, I got rid of because I saw that it was bad and I didn't want it. The other one was that he had a particular talent at some point to pray that people would become wise, and that he had gotten rid of. That he said, you have to work on your own, but perhaps the other talents he still had. This is somewhat of a distressing story. There was a Yossi from the city of Yokrat. This is about the fifth generation of Amorim in Babel. Rabbi Yossi Baravin studied with him. Shavke, he left him, and we'll see why he left him. He came to study with the great Ravashi. So you heard Ravashi teaching. Shmuel had said that if you grab a fish out of the water on Shabbat, it's unclear whether this is an issue of Tzedah or Tzedah Neshama, if even a coin's worth, a cello's worth of his skin becomes dried out, chayav, you're already chayav for killing him or trapping him. And why don't you add to that that the dry spot has to be between his gills? As Ravashi said to this unknown student, don't you think that's the opinion of Ravashi? He said, of course it is, because that's who I am. Oh, he didn't know. Rav Ashi didn't know the identity of the student. Wait, didn't you used to study with Rav Yossi de Minyokrat? Yes, I did. Why did you leave him to come to study with me? Here's a man who doesn't care about his son and daughter's life. Why will he care about me? In other words, I found something very, very despicable about this Rubiosi, the Minyokrat, and I left him because he doesn't have compassion for his own children. Let's hear the story. Bremahi, what's the story with his son? He had workers, Rubiosi, the Minyokrat, had workers working in his field. Nagalahu, it got late. He didn't bring the bread. Late in the morning, he didn't bring breakfast. So they said to his son who was working with them, Kafinan were hungry. They were sitting beneath a fig tree, and it was not yet fig reaping season. So the son spoke to the tree and said, Fig tree, fig tree, put out your fruit that, that father's workers should be able to eat. It happened, they came out and the people ate. At that point, the father came. Don't worry. Don't feel bad. I was late because I was involved in a mitzvah. He didn't see the meeting. They'd already eaten. And I was delayed until now. Rachamana 
Hashem should satiate you just like your son satiated us. Where did he give you food from? So they told the story about the fig tree. You, my son, forced Hashem to make the fig tree bring out its fruit in in before its proper time. You should be die before your time also. And indeed, the understanding of the story is the son died. What's the story with his daughter? Havile brata balat yofi had a daughter who was very beautiful. He saw that there was a man who cut a hole in the picket fence to be able to look through and see the girl. Marlo Maihai said, Well, why are you doing this? the So he said, Rebbe, I won't be able to marry her. I'm not fit to marry her, but at least I want to look at her. She's beautiful. Marla Biti Kamatsara he said to his daughter, you're tr- troubling people. You should go back to the dirt from where you were created so that people will not be nichshal, should not uh, stumble and sin on your account. It's a terrible stories, of course, and uh, his children died. On the other hand, he had a particular donkey. When people would rent the donkey out for the day, they would put the payment for the rental on the back of the donkey, and it would come back on its own. And if they gave too much or too little money, it wouldn't move. It would only move if it had the exact right amount. Miracle donkey. One day, they put the right amount, but they also forgot and they left some sandals on top of the donkey. It wouldn't move until they took the sandals off, and then it did. Elazar Ish Bartota, or Ish Berta, a man from Elazar, perhaps from Kfar Bartota. He was so generous and so had such philanthropic urges that when the Gabayit Staka saw him, they would hide because they were afraid he would give him everything he owned. Anything he had in his hands, he would give to them. One day he went into the shuk to buy a um, dowry for his daughter. The gabay stalker saw him and they hid from him. He ran after them. So he said, I'm making you swear to tell me what are you, who are you collecting for? An orphan, an orphan girl. He took an oath. They take preference over my daughter. All the money he had in his hand to buy the dowry. He gave it to them. He had one zuz left. He went and bought wheat. And he threw it into the storehouse. His wife came. She said, sorry, his daughter came and she said, uh, sorry, the wife came and she said to the daughter, my Aiti Avuch, what did your father bring? Amarla Komada Aiti Bachlabashadita. Anything he had, he threw into the storehouse. Acha the Miftach Bava, they went to open the storehouse, and a miracle happened. The Achlaba, Chazat Achlaba Demal Yachite. They saw that the entire storehouse was filled with wheat. Miraculously, it had grown. Konafka Batsinor Dadashi was actually sneaking out from between the, the cracks of the door. The Miftach Bavi Mechite, they couldn't even open the door because of all the wheat. So the daughter went to the Beit Midrash. So she said, 
Go see what you are, the one who loves you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done for you. He's done this great miracle. And so, um, Elazar took an oath that all of those, that good was hektesh and should be given to God except for a small amount and all she gets is what a poor person from Israel should get. Again, these are stories that are quite distressing because on the one hand they're miraculous and on the other hand in some cases they reflect a particular attitude towards one's family that uh, perhaps not everyone would want to emulate. Yudhanasiya was a descendant of Yudhanasi, grandson, and uh, he declared a fast. He prayed and didn't rain. Look at the difference between Shmuel Hanavi and, and me. Or the Shmuel Hanavi would just call out and it would rain. Look at the generation that has been stuck with a leader like me. Woe to somebody who has to live in such a generation. And because he felt so bad, it rained, meaning he sort of broke his own sense of worth, and that brought the rain. The Venesia Gazartanita, one time the Venesia, that institution, declared a fast. They didn't tell Riachon they told them in the morning, which means they did not accept the fast at Mincha, as we learned in the first parak. Rishlaka said to his brother-in-law and teacher, we did not accept the fast yesterday, so we can't be part of the fast. And this is the one bit of halachic information that we have that's on topic in today's uh, shir. Rabbi Yochanan said, we follow them, meaning if the community declared a fast, so even without our knowledge, we are included in that fast. We don't have to makabal it separately at Mincha. So the Benesia declared a fast, it didn't rain. So this particular Oshaya, the small, got up, and he said the following thing, which is uh, quite caustic. He quotes the Pasugan Bamidbar, If this sin was committed away from the eyes of the community. So he explains the Enei Haida as follows. The Enei Haida, of course, the Gemara says with the Sanhedrin. It's like a bride. When she has beautiful eyes, and this is probably an allusion to Rachel, we don't have to check the rest of her body out. We know that she's beautiful. We can see in her eyes. And now, true talk, but if she's weepy, her eyes are, are droopy, and what his point was, was that since the Enehaida, the heads of the, of the community, were weak and were not beautiful morally or in their knowledge, Therefore, the whole community was suffering. So the servants of the Benesia were about to choke this guy. Because what kind of chutzpah is he's insulting? He says, it's not raining because uh, the heads of the community are not good. They were troubling him. So the people from his town said, He says the same thing to us. He's always saying this. But we know that he's totally He's doing it not to hurt us. He's doing it to rebuke us and to bring us to tshuva. We leave him alone. You guys should leave him alone too. Of course, we don't hear whether this worked and whether it rained. So Rebbe declared a fast and it didn't rain. One of his students, either Ilfa, who was an older student, or Rabbi Ilfi, a younger student, Stood in front of him, Amar, he got up and said, Mashiva Ruach! And suddenly the, rain, the wind came. And suddenly, it started raining. 
So here, Rebbe had a fast, nothing worked. His students stood up and just said the words, and it happened. Well, in my so he said, what is it you did? I live in a small town, a poor town. There's not enough wine there for Kiddush and Avdala, even for one person in the town. Tarachna, I work hard, and I bring wine for Kiddush and Avdala. And I say it for everybody and I motzi them. That schut is why I'm able to say Mashiva Ruach when I geshem and it rains. Rav, Rav came to a particular place. Gazar Tanita, there was no rain. In spite of his fast, there was no rain. Nachid kam eishlicha tzibur. Eishlich tzibur went in front of Rav. Amar Mashiva Ruach, Nashazika, Nashazika, Marina Geshem, Rata Mitra. He said Mashiva Ruach. It began. The wind blew. He said Marina Geshem, and it started raining. So tell me what the things that you do are. Mikre Dardikiana. He said, I'm a school teacher. Makrina The first thing is I teach the poor children like the rich children. Remember, school teacher wasn't paid by the public fund, he was paid by the parents. He said, I don't distinguish, and I teach them all the same. and any kid who's not doing well, Lo Midi. Anybody, I'm sorry, who cannot afford to, I don't take any money from them. Pira I also have a fishery. If I have a child who's not doing well, I bribe him from there. And I tell him, if you are able to read this alphabet, you're able to read this Mishnah, you'll get a fish. And I teach them, and I make them feel better, until they're able to read. This is a beautiful educational statement. Nachman Gazar Tanita. The last two stories we're going to hear are about Rav Nachman and Rabba's fast. Rav Nachman Second generation of Moran Bavel and the head of the, uh, the Reishkoluta's household, uh, made a tanit. He found, he prayed, it didn't rain. He said, take Nachman and throw him from the wall, from the wall to the ground. He, you know, he was saying about himself that he's not worth much. He felt terrible. And that brought the rain. Rabba Gazar Tanita. Rabba, who was now a generation later, Made a tanit, boy, rachmi v'lo'atamitra. Again, it didn't work. Amulei v'har Rav Yehuda. Now they accosted him. They said, Rav Yehuda, who was your teacher, ki have gazar tanita atamitra. He would make a fast that would rain. You know, see, why are you not able to do that? Amaluhu, my avid, what should I do? Imishum tnuye, it's not because of learning. Anana difinam inai, we are better than the generation of Rav Yehuda. To be shneid Rav Yehuda, kol tnuye benazikin have. In Rav Yehuda's generation, they only studied Nizikin. We study all six Sidarim of Mishnah. Rav Yehuda got to Uktsin, the last Masachet in Taharot. He said uh, if a woman is uh, is brining vegetables in a pot, what the Dean of Tumah B'Tarai is, when he would get to those Mishnayot, he didn't understand uh, at all. And he said, it sounds to me like the Machlokot between Rav and Shmuel. In other words, we're far more uh, learned. We have 13 different uh, versions and explanations in Mu'uktsin. All that Rav Yudah would have to do is take off one shoe, at the mitra, and it would rain. And we cry out all day, and nobody hears it, nobody listens to us. In other words, there's no rain. So, And if it's because of our behavior, somebody tell us, what are we doing wrong? If anybody knows that we're doing something incorrectly, please tell us. 
What can we do? We're the leaders of a generation, but the generation is not fit, and therefore our prayers are for naught. By the way, in Masachet Brachot, the same piece is told, and an explanation is given as to why Rav Yehuda merited such uh, immediate divine response, is that he was Moser Nefesh for Torah, he had tremendous self-sacrifice for Torah, and the famous story that when he saw a woman wearing an outfit that looked like an outfit associated with Avodah and he thought she was a Jewish woman, he ripped it off of her, and he was sued, and he had to pay a lot of money, and he said it was worth it, because he was demonstrating his tremendous love for Torah, and his tremendous zeal for it, for commitment to it. Uh, everyone should have a wonderful day, and uh, Emir Tzah Hashem, tomorrow we are going to finish the third parak of Masachet Ta'ani.